0: Welcome to the Operate Intelligently Podcast, the podcast for all things operations. Hello, Operate Intelligently listeners. This is Joshua Peach, and I am in beautiful Brighton, Massachusetts. Uh, with an old dude friend, Eric Fulmer. Eric, welcome, or thank you for welcoming me to your office. Hey,
1: thanks, Josh. It's really good to see you. I've, I've missed you and my uh, my former dude colleagues quite a bit, so this is a great opportunity and, a, and an honor for me to be on the other side of this microphone.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a little backstory, Eric. You, you actually kind of rebranded the Operate Intelligently podcast, or we monikered the the new title of it and you were instrumental in helping get this thing kind of going a few years ago um and then you know you've taken on another role which is real exciting we're going to talk about and uh, i'm glad we've been able to stay in contact so definitely and i'm very glad that it is in such capable hands now uh, between you and grace uh, so that's, uh,
1: you know you guys are, are are really doing a great job kind of taking it over and, and taking it to the next level right? yeah
0: it's all Grace. She's uh, she is the best director extraordinaire and editor and everything. Uh, I can't say enough uh, about what she does and makes this thing pop. So, um, so you're at a company now which is XL, and that's the letter X, the letter L, and you do something really, really cool. Uh, well, I find real really cool. So, tell us a little bit about XL. Where did it come from? Where, what is it today, and where is it going tomorrow? Sure,
1: absolutely. So XL or XL Fleet, um, uh, as we're kind of known in the industry, is um, we are a vehicle electrification company. So we, are, we make a, a, an add-on technology that turns standard gas-powered commercial fleet trucks into hybrid and plug-in hybrid versions of those vehicles. So we don't make the vehicles themselves. We add on to existing vehicles that fleet managers are already buying, already using in the day-to-day operation of their jobs, and we electrify them. So we create a system that bolts onto those uh, vehicles and can actually increase uh, fuel economy by 25 to 50%, depending on the vehicle and the system, and reduce emissions by up to a third. So we effectively take, um, you know, some of the heaviest polluting vehicles on the road, which mm-hmm. are the commercial trucks, um, you know, the, the bigger, uh, the, the real gas and, and diesel guzzling engines. And we add a system on it that helps to propel those vehicles forward using electrical power uh, and, uh, and really cuts down on the amount of gas that has been used and uh, the amount of CO2 emissions that are emitted into the atmosphere. So we were founded about 10 years ago uh, by uh, several MIT grads, so they wanted, uh, they were very into the energy space, saw an opportunity at the time because nobody was doing fleet electrification. There had been some trial and error early, early on, you know, a lot of the OEMs, you figure electrification is really kind of just taking off now at the consumer level but at the commercial level you know it's a fairly immature market right now and you can imagine what it was 10 years ago um, so XL really grew up in that ecosystem and really just sort of forged a name for ourselves we were founded as XL hybrids because we exclusively made the hybrid vehicle uh, systems and now we've expanded to a plug-in hybrid electric solution as well so we Broaden the brand a little bit to be more XL or XL fleet uh, to really capture not only that but the telematics that are involved in a mm-hmm. in a vehicle as well all the all the data that gets tracked over that time so we've really grown as a company over that time over the last ten years and and in celebrating our ten year anniversary this past year we also celebrated over one hundred million customer miles on the road. Uh, who have collectively reduced their uh, gasoline consumption by 2 million gallons of gas and over 20,000 metric tons of CO2 emissions from the atmosphere. So we're pretty proud of those metrics, and we uh, continue to sell into fleet managers who really value and prioritize sustainability in their operations.
0: Yeah, that uh, that little 100 million mile, like when you think about, uh, you know, I think it was a Social studies or a science class that said the circumference of the Earth is twenty five thousand miles. It's a lot of that's a lot of drives around the world uh, that you guys are doing with these trucks and vehicles and and jail vans. Like that <laughs> <laughs> you do guys cater to that. I mean, that was one of the vehicles that I saw, which was a uh, which was a, a prisoner uh, prisoner van. But that's really kind of a just such a neat. Uh, I mean, just to think about the idea of it, that, that this is really in its infancy for for people to be thinking outside about the fleets and, you know, uh, let's try to improve our, we're always looking to improve our gas mileage, but 25%, 50%, that's significant. And you're right, those trucks and those heavy vehicles, I got a big Dodge pickup truck. You know, if I could increase my gas mileage by 50%, uh all day long I should be thinking about that I love my truck I love the useful of it the utility part of it yeah. the ability to carry all of the racks and everything so you know somebody's just let's do I, I, I just now that I'm thinking about it you know I got my truck and let's say I've got five of them I've got an HVAC company or uh, you know I'm part of a team of, of facility folks at a, at a school or a, t- or a manufacturing facility or something I need five vans or five trucks like they don't come here there's not like, you don't have like a deal or a lot or anything. How does that look like? what does someone what does that process look like?
1: Well so it's a very similar process to how they buy their their fleet vehicles usually. So uh, we partner with Ford, GM and Isuzu on upfitting their trucks. So they can go to a dealer, any Ford or GM dealer that they're currently buying, uh, Ford Transit vans, uh, uh, F250s, uh, you know, GM, passenger vans, cargo vans, uh, strip chassis, anything that they normally buy in their current operation today, they can, um, you know, provided it's a, a fit for our system, can order through the, the, the same dealers that they're buying their vehicles from today. They can just have our kit installed uh, and order as part of their add-on process. So in the fleet world, there really isn't much off-the-shelf purchasing. Fleets really uh really do customize their vehicles mm-hmm. substantially uh so as part of that customization whether they're adding a specific box on the back of a, of a chassis or whether they are um, you know adding additional tool capacity or ladder racks what have you mm-hmm. in the daily operation of their job they're checking a lot of boxes when they when they spec that vehicle out mm-hmm. so our system just gets added on to that process and specced into that order and then it gets delivered to them with all of the other accessories that they've that they have ordered, plus our hybrid or plug-in hybrid system uh, bolted onto the to the vehicle as well. Um, so it just becomes a hybrid truck, and it gets delivered to them brand new as it would have been, even if it was a standard powered uh, gas-powered engine. And the best thing is we don't disrupt the OEM factory warranties. So. All of the service and all of the maintenance that they are accustomed to doing on those vehicles, they can continue to do, and our system uh, doesn't disrupt that at all operationally from a maintenance perspective. Uh, and then certainly, uh, you know, you get the residual benefits of, you know, you're getting more gas mileage out of the vehicle. You're, um, uh, you know, you're you're reducing your greenhouse gas emissions. You have a hybrid sticker on the back of your truck if you're a municipality. And, and driving around the you know the, the neighborhoods where you where your constituents uh, live every day, and, and that's a that's a great sort of testament to a township or a state government that they are investing in cleaner, greener transportation for their constituents. So you know, there's a lot of value in sort of the sustainability angle, and I think that's really what's driven our business, and, and what is compelling our business forward. Uh, even over the next 10 years, uh, there's a lot more emphasis around sustainability, even more so than than uh, the, the fuel economy. Mm-hmm.
0: Are you looking for a way to get inspired about your work as a facility or operations professional? Join us at our annual Maintenance and Operations Conference, Dude University in Raleigh, North Carolina, May 3rd through the 6th, 2020. You'll be able to attend educational sessions about your day-to-day work, meet professionals from across the country that work in your and other industries, enjoy food, friends, and fun in the Dude's hometown. Learn more and register at university.dudesolutions.com. So I didn't go to MIT and I really wish I could have but I, I definitely don't have the 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 wherewithal or the know-how on how to even start with a hybrid system and when I came here you were saying what you said here which is a hybrid or hybrid plug-in and I got educated on the difference and I think that it's important I think some folks don't know you know I think that some folks that are listening are probably like oh great another you know, place i gotta go plug my vehicle into like we see the tesla stations all over the place um you know it's just another aggravation or if i go to bed at night and i forget to plug it in or at the shop you know because you can't take the vehicle home i'm gonna have a dead battery or it's not gonna run run through the differences between the hybrid and the hybrid plug-in and again just reiterating that i that this isn't taking the gas motor out because that's what i I came right. here, and I've been following along, and I thought that that was kind of what you guys, a big part of what you guys did, and it has nothing to do with that. So yeah. if you could give a little more insight on that. Sure. No, it's a great question and a great distinction.
1: If you think about the the relative charging maturity or the level of, of charging infrastructure that exists in most cities. You know, it's, it's really not sustainable for a large-scale all-electric fleet, either at, a, at the consumer level or the certainly the commercial level right so there are some limitations around battery cost and charging maturity etc for for all electric vehicles right now which is really kind of the biggest impediment for those vehicles becoming adopted in wide scale you know it, uh, if all things being equal there would be a huge demand for uh, electric vehicles both uh, commercially and at the consumer level but there are there are obstacles there are challenges in place right now that are that are preventing uh you know the the wide-scale adoption of of those vehicles so as those issues continue to get solved and we're certainly headed in that direction and we as a business want to head to that dire- direction but the reality is today um, you know, uh, commercial and municipal fleets are, are somewhat reliant upon that infrastructure and the, and the cost of the systems that they are, you know, driving around every day. So, so our systems. Um, the, the, let's start with the distinction between the hybrids and the plug-ins, as opposed to a battery electric vehicle, which has no other source of propulsion. It's exclusively uh, electrical power. So, as you said, if you forget to charge it, right? If you drive outside the range of that vehicle and you you could get stuck somewhere you know you'd be if you'd be hunting around looking for a a charging station um, you know you could you could be uh, in a tough spot the advantage with our vehicles because we never take over the full propulsion of the, of the vehicle they're still gas powered engines we simply supplement the power that they already give that vehicle and help to propel it forward during the acceleration process, so during the least efficient drive cycles of that vehicle, we have an electric motor that we install on the drive shaft that propels the vehicle forward as the as the vehicle is as the driver is accelerating. So it takes less uh, less work by the engine, burns less gas, and is really just a supplemental source of power that helps push the vehicles forward. Mm-hmm. So the big difference in our systems between the hybrid and the plug-in hybrid. Hybrid, all of that power is generated natively through the uh, through the system. They mm-hmm. never have to plug in. If they have no infrastructure in their shop, it's a great solution because you're going to get that 25% MPG improvement without having to do a thing operationally. Your drivers are out driving around. Uh, you know, people ask what the range is. I say, well, the range is a tank of gas plus 25%. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. there are variables to that, but but that's the the way you kind of look at it. They're not going to get stuck. Um, you know They're not going to run out of power unless they right. run out of the gas. Uh, you know, so the, the, the infrastructure is there to support that out there. There's always a gas station for them to be able to fill up that. In the, in the plug-in hybrid, it's a bigger battery pack, and we have that same process where we're giving an electric assist during acceleration and recharging the battery through regenerative braking, which is actually how the hybrid system gets its power exclusively. Mm-hmm. So every time you hit the brake... It's generating power, storing it in the battery pack. Every time you hit the accelerator, it is using that power to propel the vehicle forward. The plug-in hybrid is designed exactly the same way. It does the exact same thing. Um, The difference is you supplement that power, that regenerative braking energy that is created, by plugging the vehicle in every night. And when you do that, you have a larger battery capacity, you are, you are extending the time period where our system is in play during acceleration. So it's a longer assist. A longer cycle, yeah. Exactly. So now you're getting up to a 50% MPG improvement mm-hmm. and a third reduction in emissions versus the 20 25% relatively on the hybrid side. So it's a little bit of a bigger upfront cost, but you're getting a bigger sustainability value mm-hmm. and a more significant fuel economy value
0: moving forward. And what do you see or what do you think the future of you think that the hybrid is is the I mean you know what is today but do you think the hybrid is going to be the the way to go that people are going to you know naturally go to and stay with or do you think this plug-in unit is going to pick up based on you know interest and that added 25% and then you know the what's next of it all what what's What's your take on that? Yeah,
1: so that's a it's a it, you know it, it's great because we we market it and sell it to the same types of companies. Um, it really depends on what your current infrastructure is and what makes sense for your fleet. So, for example, that there are very small shops and even even some bigger shops, uh, you know, some fleets that use our hybrid system that don't have you know they don't have access to you know charging infrastructures and they won't for many years. Hybrid systems are an ideal fit for them because they want to improve their sustainability. They want to get better MPG, they want to get better fuel economy, they want to reduce their operational costs in that way. So the hybrid system makes absolute sense for those folks. For the plug-in hybrid side, um, you know, you're dealing with a little bit more of an infrastructure. Um, you know, maybe you've got a, a business or you've got a municipality that has some access to charging infrastructure, level two chargers. Um, that can uh, have some capacity to plug in some vehicles overnight, but they don't want to be limited by exclusively running vehicles on electric power and worried about well, what if you know our driver does not plug it in at night, then you know that that vehicle's down all day the next day. and with our systems, you don't have to worry about that so the the way that I always sort of informally casually characterize it is. You know, the plug-in hybrid is sort of that stepping stone to get fleets used to plugging in their vehicles, to get mm-hmm. drivers used to plugging in their vehicles until such time as all-electric is more pervasive and we've got a better infrastructure in place and we've got lower costs of those systems to make them more compatible at a, at a broad scale. Um, you know, so when that happens... You know, the, the fleets that are adopting the plug-in hybrids right now uh, are able to sort of get ahead of that curve. And they're they're sort of getting their drivers used to that. But for the foreseeable future, for the next decade, hybrids absolutely are going to continue to be the lion's share of the electrification space because of the minimal to, to no disruption in, a, in their operations. And that's no today added steps. is cool yeah. is no added steps and really no added cost beyond the the upfront cost of the system
0: yeah so i was going to say it's not like i can i get the the plug-in hybrid and i just get an extension cord out of the closet and plug it in you need to have a a pretty heavy duty uh load to 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 plug it into
1: well actually so in in a best case scenario you've got a you've got a level two charger because you're going to be able to charge the vehicle a little bit faster that way it's like a four hour charge on a level two plug that you see you know uh you know if you see a, a a charger at a grocery store or at a mm-hmm. business that's typically a level two charger so that you so they're all they're in, all the same for uh, those effectively there are yeah. some you know the the teslas of the world who make proprietary charging um, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, mechanisms that the interfaces for their chargers are a little bit different but by and large on the commercial level everybody tries to make it standard because that's just going to help everybody in the long run um, but with our systems, you can actually do what you just described is plug it into the wall. We'll give you an adapter that has a level two charging port on what goes into the vehicle and a, you know, a 220 amp, uh, uh, electrical outlet that you can just plug into your wall jack. Now it takes longer to, to charge the vehicle. Mm-hmm. It's more like a, a 12 hour charge versus a four hour, but you can get it done that way. And you don't absolutely have to have that infrastructure. hmm But typically, um, typically our customers will have some level of infrastructure for that. But like I said, you don't need it and you can plug it into the wall. If you get home at night Mm -hmm. and want to just plug it into your outlet in your garage, you can certainly do that. Yeah. Um, so, so we give you that
0: option. Curious question. May or may not know the answer to this, but just popped in my head and that's what happens in life. Just random thoughts. (laughs) Does this work with, if they, so you get a plug in, and, uh. This this might be my MIT creative brain genius here, but a lot of our people are in cold climates. Uh, Would this tie into an engine block heater, like you're powering, your charging your battery, would it also be able to tie into an engine block heater?
1: Yeah, so there's a great application longer term that is, uh, we call that exportable power. So, you know, one of the big limitations of really hybrid, plug-in hybrid in general is if you're idling. So a lot of our... A lot of our uh, customers, commercial customers, if you think about a, you know, a, a power company that is doing work on you know, a utility line and they're parked there for several hours. It's the middle of winter. Of course they have to run their H, they have to run their heating system. so that today you have to run the, the, the engine in order to drive that system. So the ability to, to draw supplemental power to run your HVAC system without running the engine, is really kind of the holy grail of where technology-wise, like companies like us and other partners that we could potentially work with are, are moving towards uh, to really help fleets cut down on the amount of idling. Because if a, if a big class, you know, six, seven, eight truck is sitting on your street idling, mm-hmm. it's emitting CO two. You know, it's it's probably pumping out some some stinky fumes. And it's not really making the people who are in the area very happy. If you can eliminate that, Mm -hmm. uh, because our system isn't taking over, our system isn't doing anything in that respect, because we we only control what happens when you accelerate the vehicle. So if you're idling, there's really uh, nothing that we can do or or really any other hybrid plug-in hybrid system, right? So that is really kind of where we are headed and where the industry is headed to help, um, overcome some of the supplemental or exportable power which will give people that that power to run hvac systems or plug in um you know drills or uh power equipment on a job site that mm-hmm. sort of thing so that's that's definitely where um where a, a lot of the industry is is kind of looking at right now is how do we take that next step and that's certainly one of the one of the the frontiers that we're, we're pursuing
0: yeah that's a uh that's a that's a that as you're saying it, I'm just sitting here saying there's more communities that I go to that have no idling laws, which you never... you never I mean, no one ever paid attention to that. Right. But, I mean, my son, when he was in second grade, and I would drive him to school, there was a sign yeah. that says, no idling. You know, a lot of people don't pay attention to it. Right. But I'm sure that there's going to be tickets being given out, and there's going to be environmentalists that, that, that fight that and show that. And I think that it would only show... Um, you know, for you guys, I'm, I'm not telling you where to sell to, but I mean, utility companies, like you're right, they're doing details, they're doing work, they're working on the poles, the, the, the municipal um, police vehicles that are required to do the details that are in the dead of winter, that they're sitting in the car and keeping it running to stay warm. If there's a way to do that, what a what a great problem solved, yeah. and not compromising, you know, the people's ability to stay warm or stay cool. And these really extreme weather conditions i didn't even think about that that's that's great
1: yeah yeah definitely and it's funny you mentioned utilities that's actually one of our biggest uh uh, market segments and uh, particularly electrical utilities uh for the for the simple fact that they own the grid right so they they have you know they have the access they are the charging they they get a good deal
0: they get a good deal on the fuel
1: exactly so you know it's no it's no issue for them to be plugging in vehicles at night um so that's that's probably the market that, that adopts our plug-in units uh, more more prevalently right now than, than anyone else. Uh, so they're, they're definitely the early adopters of, of that technology, but you're right. You know, to really solve the, the, the idling uh, problem on the job site, we'll, do, uh, we'll, 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 we'll add huge value to just our general uh, push towards sustainability. And as companies really draw the line in in how they affect their carbon footprint, that's one place that they're all going to have to look Mm -hmm. uh, sooner rather than later.
0: Well, it's a game changer because you said earlier 100 100 million miles driven. If you take the impact of idling and add that into the mix because that's gallons of gas going away. That's that's, um, wear and tear. Uh, There was just a, a study done on vehicles they're saying that it you know us in new england cold day or even a hot day uh, we get extreme weather we go out, we start the car we let it run for 15 minutes and idle and they're saying now that actually doesn't lube and do all the things that it's supposed to that we we've been thought of forever Um, it actually produces more wear and tear on the vehicle and can actually draw back the life cycle so you you can Actually, extend the vehicle's motor. Uh, you can extend the time that you have with it, cut down on the gas consumption. I mean, it's sure. I'm sitting here, I owned a spring water delivery business. I don't know if you knew this, but I, in the 90s and early 2000s with my dad, we drove uh, water trucks and water vans um, and delivered five gallon bottles uh, actually right down the street um, from where we're at. And, uh, you know, that this, all of this stuff, I'm sitting here going, oh my God, this, if this was around in the nineties and two thousands, cause we'd sit in the summertime in downtown Boston, even in the late nineties, early two thousands, most loading docks have a no idle policy. You yeah. can't just sit there because your fumes are going in the loading dock. They're yeah. going into yeah. the building. So, right. um, this is fantastic stuff. I mean, you guys are on to something. This is, I'm glad I, uh, I'm glad I had this idea to come out here and check this stuff out. Yeah, definitely. So. People want to get a hold of you or want to talk to you, learn more about what you do. How do they do that? How do they get, you know, how do they get one of these systems or where should they be? Where should they be following you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're everywhere on social media. We are, our, our website is xlfleet.com. And, um, you know, if you want to send us an email, it's info at xlfleet.com. But we're on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. And, and if you're a commercial fleet or a municipal fleet... Um, you know, if you, if you, if you are a fleet manager who buys, you know, volumes of of vehicles, uh, that you use commercially, um, you know, the chances are, and and certainly if you use a GM or Ford, uh, vehicle as part of that process, everywhere from light, light duty all the way up to the mid and, and heavy duty stuff, um, chances are we have a vehicle for you. So there's a full list of the vehicles that we're compatible with on our website, um, and you can certainly follow us there, and, and we're putting out new information all the time. And we've got some big announcements coming up this year. So if you want to, uh, you know, keep uh, keep your eyes on us. There's some new platforms that we're coming out with this year
0: that'll be pretty exciting. And you're on social media on LinkedIn. And, yes, uh, I am as well.
1: So my uh, Twitter handle is uh, Eric underscore Fulmer, uh, and then uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well.
0: So cool. And this is. Uh well, this has been a, uh, a fantastic reunion. It's been a couple of years <laughs> since we've actually seen each other in yep. person. So was glad that you're doing some amazing things and making an impact in, uh, in in the way we drive and how we drive and how we're going to drive in the future for our workforces. So uh, keep up the great work and, and look forward to that exciting news.
1: Yeah. Well, and, thanks, Josh. And, and thanks to uh, to all the dudes out there, too. You guys are doing some great work as well. And uh, I've, I've been excited to follow your progress, too. So uh, so keep up the good work, and, and to everyone in Dude Nation, I, I say hello.
0: Thank you. We're, gonna, we're hopefully going to have some exciting news over the course of the year, too. I know we are. We're going to share it uh, as we go along here, and uh, I'm going to go along and get my truck and head back to my galactic headquarters on the South Shore, and uh, that'll do it from Brighton, Massachusetts. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast, produced by Dude Solutions. You can reach us by emailing dspodcast at dudesolutions.com or check us out on the web at dudesolutions.com.